0: Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go.
1: Hello and thank you for joining me today where we will discuss the outlook for financial markets and how best to prepare your allocations in a very uncertain environment. This week has clearly been a very challenging uh, week um, that 's to say the least it's almost no traditional asset classes have been showing positive returns. Uh, global equities fell over eight percent with bonds also losing uh, significant value maybe three to three to four percent on average. From an equity sector perspective, all global sectors fell, um, led by the recent outperformer, actually, uh, Energy, which obviously had been a preferred sector of ours, but that was down over 8%. Clearly, the hawkish stance of uh, global central banks against increasing signs that the global economy is starting to weaken is spooking investors and increasing concerns that a soft landing is just a Fed pipe dream. With me today to talk about recent developments and what it means for you as an investor is Abhilash Narayan, who leads our bond analysis within the CIO office. Today we will discuss the risk of a recession in the US, following the recent 75 basis point interest rate hike, what this might mean for equity and bond investors and whether there are any silver linings to the clouds that seem to stretch to the horizon at the moment. We'll also discuss the outlook for the euro, which is close to 10-year lows against the dollar. So Abelash, let's, let's get started. Thanks for joining me today. I mean, over the past week, um, concerns about recession risk have risen as markets seem to be worried that a more hawkish Fed policy outlook has increased the risk of a sharp slowdown in economic growth. So from your perspective, how has the recession risk calculus changed? Thank
0: you, Steve. Uh, Clearly, the higher than expected U.S. inflation report uh, for May has transformed the narrative uh, that inflation, which had been running at a 40-year high, was close to peaking. Now, as we know, this forced the Fed to deliver a 75 basis point rate hike this week, which was the biggest since 1994. And the Fed is considering a similar magnitude of rate hike in July as well. Now, the inflation surprise, the resultant repricing of higher rate expectations has clearly reignited stagflation fears, as we've seen in the market reaction. Now, if you think about whether a US, whether the U.S. economy is headed for recession, the key questions include, like, how soon is a recession likely? And if so, how long and deep will it last? And lastly, how much is it priced by the markets, right? So if you look at the first question of how soon U.S. economy could go into recession, now, technically, Uh, US economy contracted in Q1. So if we do see uh, a contraction in the economy in the second quarter of this year, which is indicated by the latest forecast from Atlanta Fed, then US could enter a technical recession uh, as soon as the first half of this year itself. Uh, But the Atlanta Fed model does not account for the economic data that we have seen in June. So there is still some hope there. Now, if I turn to our recession checklist, which we've highlighted multiple times in the past, two new indicators are flashing red. So U.S. S&P 500 index has technically gone into the bear market territory since it has declined by more than 20% from its last peak. And the uh, 10-to-year government bond yield curve inverted again for the second time in two months. So the risks have clearly risen. However, the job market in U.S. continues to remain particularly robust. We've seen that jobs in U.S. are plentiful, which is reflected in record high job openings. And we've seen savings being built up during the pandemic, which are likely to encourage consumers to continue spending. And that spending is likely to be more focused towards the services sector of the economy as the you know reopening normalizes. So any downturn in the job market is what would make us reassess our outlook on U.S. growth.
1: OK, so, so essentially, while um, the risks have risen, um, the probability of a, a, a serious recession in the next six to nine months uh, remains low, in our opinion. Um, given the looming risk of a growth slowdown, how should equity investors be positioning from here on?
0: Well, clearly, it's it's been a very challenging year for for equity investors, and the market outlook is still quite uncertain. And when navigate when navigating such times, uh, it always helps to get a sense of how much bad news may have been priced in by the markets. So, if you look at S&P 500 over the past 70 years, the median peak to trough decline uh, around recessions has been around 27%. Now, in this year's drawdown, the index has already declined by you know, close to 25% uh, since the peak uh, on 3rd January, which suggests that a, a recession has been priced in uh, to a significant degree by equity market investors. But one thing we have to be cautious of is that there's a fairly high degree of dispersion in the data as markets have declined close to 50% on two occasions in past as well, around two recessions. So, clearly, the uncertainty remains high for U.S. equities. Now, where we see a better opportunity is asia japan which is trading at 17% discount to global equities when looking at the 12-month forward P.E. ratio. Uh, From a fundamental perspective, policy divergence between U.S. and China has never been more prominent in recent past. Uh, And China is important because it makes 40% of asia japan equities. Now, as we've discussed, depending on future inflation prints, there is a risk that the Fed may tighten more than what is expected. But on the other hand... If you think about China, the policy is on an easing track. So Chinese macro data, uh, including this week's retail sales number, continues to be weak, but government has maintained its ambitious uh, stance of uh, a GDP growth of 5.5%. Now, when we combine that with the rising uh, credit impulse and the fact that there is further fiscal stimulus, which is expected, uh, regulatory tightening has started to subside. The overall backdrop for Chinese and Asia-Japan equities is starting to look uh, more attractive on a relative basis. And this is also reflected in the divergence in fund flows. So for June 2022, the Hong Kong market's daily volume has been 20% higher than it has been in the past two months. And if you look at the volumes... It's been higher on positive days and low on pullback days, which is a positive indicator since it indicates lack of selling on on weaker days. So, Asia Japan is our preferred markets within equities at the moment.
1: Okay, so I guess another key development um, this week has been the, the the move higher in the U.S. government bond yield, which is is actually been quite a sharp move. So, the ten-year yield broke through the key resistance we've been flagging for some time, actually, so just over three and a quarter percent. We've been talking about um, income investing as being a, an attractive opportunity. You just outlined, obviously, the Asia opportunity that we think there for outperformance and potentially strong returns going forward. Um, but what do you think about the recent rise in yields when it comes to looking at corporate bonds?
0: Well, if we if we take a step back, uh, corporate bond yields have risen anywhere between two point five to four percent across various markets since start of the year as a result the current yields are now you know far cry from the low yield environment that has plagued bond investors for the better part of the decade and if you look at most of the key corporate bond markets the yields on offer right now are close to the highest levels we've seen since 2010 now clearly those higher yields have uh, sparked interest in, in corporate bond market but they've also raised concerns about you know uh, potentially impacting issuers interest servicing capability Now, at a headline level, we agree that rise in borrowing costs is a negative for for issuers, but we think that it is manageable for majority of the market for two key reasons. First, most bond issuers tend to have a well spread out maturity profile, which means that they will only need to refinance a fraction of their total debt at today's higher yields. And secondly, if you look at uh, the low interest regime that we've had over the past decade, That has resulted in average borrowing costs declining. And today, if we look at the corporate fundamentals, the interest coverage ratio is fairly strong to begin with. So from a fundamental perspective, we think that the impact is manageable for most markets. And that is also reflected in market pricing. So if we break down this year's yield increase across most markets, and if we focus, let's say, on U.S. investment grade and Asian dollar bond markets, the increase in credit spreads has been very, very modest, which implies that markets have limited concerns about, you know, weakening of debt repayment ability because of the higher funding costs. Now, credit spreads have increased to a greater extent for developed market high yield bonds and emerging market dollar government bonds, which is not surprising given the lower average credit quality of these segments. But if you look at it from a risk reward perspective, we think that markets have priced in a fair degree of bad news and the current yields do offer an attractive level for adding exposure to corporate bonds, especially, uh, as you mentioned, when viewed through the, through the lens of an income-oriented investor.
1: Okay, let's talk about the euro now. So uh, obviously, we've had the Fed, um, but the ECBs have been in the news as well, especially as they convened an emergency meeting to a- address these fragmentation concerns. And what, what we mean by that is we've seen Uh, The funding costs for governments outside of Germany, uh, especially in the periphery rising of late. So there's a there's a fear that this could lead to uh, a challenge to the single uh, currency project in in totality. So um, so ECBs obviously come in and said a few things. What does this mean for the euro?
0: Well, thanks, Steve. And, and like you pointed out uh, at the beginning of the podcast, we did see euro touch uh, a 10-year low uh, because of the concerns that you mentioned. But in addition to the, the increase in yield differential between peripheral and core European bond yields, the other factor that did drive uh, euro weaker was the latest hawkish turn by the Fed, which did push yield differentials in, in favor of the US, uh, US dollar. Now, when we, when we focus on the ECB, uh, clearly, uh, the, the The focus was to try and address the fragmentation concerns. uh, And what it is likely to do is create an environment which is supportive for policy tightening without creating uh, a debt market stress. So, you know, central bank, uh, the uh, European Central Bank is likely to still continue, uh, you know, uh, policy normalization without trying to, you know, damage the economic and financial stability. But if you focus on the currency, uh, euro did test the key support at 10340 uh, and, uh, and markets are sort of uh, trying to see how much they can push uh, euro lower. So in the near term, it is, it is quite possible that the euro pushes lower towards parity or 101, which uh, in our opinion will bring uh, out a greater level of concern and potentially support for, uh, from the ECB. So in, in the near term, uh, you know, a push towards parity is something to watch out for.
1: Okay. um Thanks, Abhilash, for sharing your thoughts. Uh, and thank everybody for joining us today. That's all we have time for. Um, if you want to read more about our market views and, or strategies for adapting to market, volatile market conditions, please feel free to go to Standard Charters Wealth Insights page on LinkedIn uh, for frequent blogs and publication releases. Uh, Obviously, we do uh, publish quite a lot, so uh, only a little bit of that shared on the LinkedIn page. So if you want more detailed recommendations, then please reach out to your relationship manager or investment advisor. In the meantime, uh, wishing you all a fantastic weekend, and I will look forward to talking to you again next week. Take care.